Hello and welcome. This is a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org. We restart our podcast after several days since Russia began its war against Ukraine. And we will make this podcast regular, hopefully daily, to update you about what's happening on the ground. This series is brought to you by Internews Ukraine and Ukraine Crisis Media Center, two reputable Ukrainian media NGOs. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko, I'm editor-in-chief of ukraineworld.org and analytics director at Internews Ukraine. We are making this podcast with Titiana Ogarkova in charge of international outreach at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Hello, Tanya. Hello. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash ukraineworld. Uh, and you can also follow our Twitter, Ukraine World, and Ukraine Crisis Media Center. So, Tanya, let's talk about what's happening on the ground. We are in Kiev, near mm. Kiev, actually. We are making this podcast late at night, 27th of February. And what we are waiting for, we are uh, explicitly waiting for the results of this negotiations between Ukrainians and Russians at uh, the Belarusian border. So what is uh, going to happen? So now we don't know exactly what what will be the results, but we do understand that they will be important. Uh, what do you think about the possible outcome of these negotiations? Well, I don't know what will be the outcomes. Obviously, r- the Russians were expecting a blitzkrieg, a very high, uh, high b- um, very quick operation yeah, and let clear, let yeah. us remind to our uh, to our listeners that Russians started the war early in the morning at five o'clock in the morning on 24th of February and we were uh, together w- uh, in Brovary just to make clear to our listeners that uh, we are uh, we are partners with with Tanya yes with uh, we are a family so we are now uh, with our kids still in Kiev and uh, we were waking up uh, by a huge explosion at five several huge explosions several at huge explosions time. at five o'clock in the morning it, it later appeared that it was a missiles attack uh, on uh, one of the objects in Brovary in Kiev suburb it's a military site so yes, a military, a military site, site. and uh, then we switched on our phones and understood uh, that there was this uh, horrible putin speech in which he um announced the special military operation against mm. Ukraine. So th- that's how it started. But now we are we live in a different world now because after three days, four, it's fourth day of, of this battle. And we understand that the Russian army is not progressing as far as, as quickly uh, as they expected. So they are trying to escalate in a way. And what we do know about these negotiations that they, it was, uh, they take place on in Russian initiative. So it, it was Russians who contacted Ukraine and it is already the second attempt to help to have this negotiation because there were another attempt one day ago maybe but without no result but today they are speaking and uh, we are we, I think personally that this is not a real negotiation it is all it's all about that each part we present it own vision of, of how events will be going on. So Russians will maybe present some ideas how Ukraine should surrender and Ukrainians will say that we, sh- we will not surrender and our um, conditions are that and that. So this is about talking and uh, it's about talking about clarifying maybe positions and the main danger I think 
I I might be mistaken. We don't know, but I uh, I'm very afraid of the threat of nuclear uh, nuclear uh, bombs or something like that in uh, in main cities and major cities. It will be absurd, surely, because if Putin does that, if he uses nuclear bombs against I don't know Kharkiv or Kiev, it will be explicitly against Kharkiv. It would mean that he is protecting Russian speaking. I don't know population by uh, by bombing them with atom bombs. It, it's it's absurd. Well, this is what he's doing now because he's bombing, literally bombing Ukrainian cities, and uh, many uh, dwellers of Kiev are just spending nights in the shelters. And uh, for example, this was a curfew in the past days, and uh, many metro stations are functioning as uh, shelter sites. And it looks like uh, a person enters, for example, at on Saturday and is there for several days because they're not allowed to, to leave because there are co- uh, constantly air raids uh, over the city. And it's so, so absurd to have these air raids, to have this uh, ballistic rocket attacked um, on Ukrainian sites in 21st century, but this is the reality we're living now. Yeah, that is uh, so. We are, and I'm. I'm really impressed by the speed of how the situation is getting worse. I mean, I mean the normal life of Ukrainians in many cities. So uh, it, it it could seem incredible to to. T- to see, to observe such changes in your life so quickly. So just five days ago, we were normal people living in normal cities. We were able to walk. We were able to put our kids to school. We were free to walk, to, I don't know, to drink coffee in the street. But today we have no access. For example, today we have no access to shop, to pharmacy. We cannot provide food, so we are worrying if we, we will be able to, to 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 buy something to eat tomorrow and uh, we have no medical uh, aid so we do pray that nothing happens i don't know with kids or with us even a simple simple illness could uh, could could, uh, could 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 become a disaster for us because uh, i don't know to anything could become a disaster because we have no connection to 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 anybody you know and people so and so so do all Ukrainians now. I mean, in big cities, in Kharkiv, in Kiev. So we people stay in in in, in underground. So and they really don't have time to. And their life has, has radically changed. This is this is really something uh, something horrific. Yeah, and uh, Mr. Putin, who was blaming Ukrainians for organizing a genocide, uh, absolutely, you know absurdist claim because he was uh, saying basically that Ukrainians are organizing genocides on territories they don't control because Donbass is occupied by Russians since 2014 but why he was doing that to dehumanize Ukrainians in just to have the impression and to make this idea among Russian population that bombing Ukraine is okay that putting ballistic rockets on Ukrainian cities is okay that uh, creating a nuclear or some other disaster is okay as yeah, well. Let's, let's, let's talk about the entering Chernobyl. So two days ago, they, the tanks were in Chernobyl and we were fearing for a kind of attack maybe on Chernobyl. So this is something really... So And look, um, all these propa- Russian propaganda saying, <clears throat> as you said already about dehumanizing Ukrainians, it's also about naming us as Nazi, 
uh, Nazi regime, I think he is not very much convinced, convincing. And I, I really don't think, I don't know what's your opinion, but I really don't think that it, he thinks it, this thinks himself. Or maybe he is already mad. Otherwise, it's it's difficult to imagine that he really believes what he says. That's a good question to 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 ask what what he's thinking about. And today, the most maybe uh, important, uh, the most uh, threatening news was about uh, his uh, <clears throat> his nuclear threat uh, mentioned in the context of uh, of NATO and and sanctions. So uh, I'm not sure which, which kind of uh, of nuclear weapons he's he is aiming to use or he is threatening us to use. Is it will it be I don't know some kind of tactic nuclear weapons used locally? I don't know in 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 Kiev or in Kharkiv or in in cities in on Ukrainian territory. Or he's speaking about this full scale nuclear threat to the whole West. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I, I know nothing about what was going on. But but both scenarios are, are devastating. Are just really tragic. But Ukrainians are resisting. So uh, if Russians were counting on a big surrender of Ukrainian armies, this was a miscalculation. Of course, Ukrainian army is uh, not that powerful than the Russian army, primarily in the air. But uh, Ukrainian army is much more spiritually prepared for that because we see so many people going to the army again. And, uh, for example, today the chief commander of Ukraine's armed forces, Valery Zaluzhny, told that in two days there were 100 new soldiers coming into the army, to the reserve, to the territorial defense, 100,000, mm -hmm. 100,000 of of new soldiers so it's it, let us let us let us be clear uh when um american intelligence was speaking about the russian army uh, on the ukrainian border we were all speaking about about 150 something like that thousand people so it it means that it just in two days yeah Zaluzhny said that we gathered almost the same number of people yeah and of course there were a big army already uh, in place already yeah. in place so i think 2000 uh, 200000 something right uh, but we have information from ukrainian government about the losses of of russian army uh, we cannot check it. We cannot fact check this it. Is, of this is official <coughs> information. So like th this is official information from Ukraine. Russians, of course, deny it. Uh, uh, it's e everywhere. We understand it. It's everywhere the situation during the war. Then that the two sides provide absolutely different statistics. But uh, let's uh, let's uh, voice it. Let's <coughs> let's um, quote it anyway because this is uh, this is a um, statistics from the Ukrainian government. So since this um, uh, Russian invasion, Ukrainians shot down twenty seven planes, mm -hmm. uh, twenty six helicopters, uh, destroyed one hundred forty six tanks, over seven hundred armored vehicles, forty nine cannons. One book missile launcher, four Grad missile launchers, 30 cars, 60 cisterns, uh, two boats, and over 4,000 Russian troops. 4,000 Russian 
soldiers. Well, even, we can yeah, you know, but what uh, this information, this is military information, and obviously enough Ukrainian military are not communicating uh, exact figures about our losses, about Ukrainian military losses, and this is quite understandable during the war. This is, uh, I would say, normal. But at the same time, we do know the number of civilians at that very moment, and uh, among them there are a lot of kids, a lot of children. This is a really devastating. Um, yes, because they're really targeting the residential buildings, they're targeting hospitals as Russians did in Syria. We see the situation. Well, this is inhumane. The world has to understand how really inhumane, so? inhumane uh, regime, which is which is targeting, for example, yesterday, I think it was uh, targeting Ahmadid, which I know very well, this, uh, this hospital, this children's hospital, because my school in Kiev was just in front of Ohmadid. Ohmadid means Ochrane uh, Materi Detini, means a hospital to protect mother and child. Mm -hmm. And I think one, one kid was killed during this attack. Mm -hmm. And another injured, if I'm not mistaken. So, but, uh, and such cases were happening also in Kharkiv. Um, uh, I, uh, we, we, we've seen s several testimonies of uh, medical um, of uh, doctors from Kharkiv who were saying that they were really uh, bombarding hospitals and this is really a crime against humanity and um, even yesterday um, one of the these Russians shot it at the civilian car uh, it was a family with three kids inside so uh, parents and uh, one kid, they are dead, and two other kids are severely injured. So this is uh, not about the... It's, it, it doesn't look really like war. What I'm thinking about during all these days is that it looks might looks really like uh, terroristic attacks. You yeah. Know? It, because it, you it, never know where they hit, you know. You just don't understand their logic and anything can happen. So this is uh, the aim of, I think, of these uh, missile attacks is just to, to for people to make people panic, uh, lose control and just uh, surrender. And indeed, they're, they're indeed acting like, like terrorists. They send this... Uh, sabotage group in the groups in the cities and they act like a paramilitary groups exactly. you know uh, cre creating panic in re re residential quarters and uh, this is how they're acting actually <coughs> so um, but again let let us repeat that ukrainian ukrainian army is not going to surrender and the resistance it organized everywhere for example yeah, in kharkiv in kiev in sumy sumy was taken sumy is a northern eastern city in ukraine sumy was in very close to russian border it was taken by the russians then it was taken back uh, kharkiv we we have seen that armored vehicles entered Kharkiv even down uh, downtown, but they were destroyed. Uh, in Kiev, we we had battles in Obolon, which is one of the districts in Kiev, and they were destroyed. Then battles in Irpin, <coughs> Kiev suburb, they were again again destroyed. So we see that Ukrainians are resisting, and uh, I think that you know Putin was not really expecting that. What do you think? Yes, I, I, I'm also convinced that Putin was not expecting that. And there's another proof 
um, which is to be fact-checked at this very moment we are speaking, we are talking, but um, there were an article in Russian media published and it everything looks like as if they were planning this publication for the 26th of February and it was prepared and in this article you can read about this about that Ukraine has already surrendered and that Ukraine is already a part of this union with Russia and Belarus and all this kind of stuff but uh, this publication was on the site during 10 minutes maybe 12 minutes and then it was removed but people noticed that and there were screenshots and all this all archive data so these data sh- prove that uh, Russians and let's let's be clear uh, it was already proven that many of his video speeches were pre-recorded by Putin uh, uh, namely this uh, famous speech at five in the morning on the 24th of February it was pre-recorded several days ago maybe on 21st of February this is important as well as his speech about the um, official recognition of the independence of uh, um, republics so-called. of so-called republics of, of Lugansk and Donetsk. So this is a kind of uh, uh, normal procedure for, for them. And sometimes we are asking ourselves, maybe maybe Putin is already dead. And he pre-recorded all this story just just for us. And we are living in this horrific scenario, <laughs> which is unfolding without his physical presence. Well, but this is, yeah, this is a joke, but uh, very, very horrifying, actually. The reality reality here is a very surreal reality, right? So we're living like in a nightmare, but this nightmare is the most real things of all. And then that's that's the most horrible thing, right? But um, another thing which which surprises me is that uh, there are lots of videos and photos of of Russian soldiers taking captive uh, or of Russian captives, and many of them just look like you know young disoriented kids. Some of them are saying that look, we are we were in uh, on exercises, and then they told us to move into Ukraine, and they're very disoriented mm-hmm. um, and sometimes they are on the on on equipment on tanks which are really old which are not very were very good not very well prepared so it it seems that sometimes people exaggerate the russian power the russian strength and uh, in many aspects it's just you know incompetent people on very poor equipment i admired one of the commenter on facebook say i don't remember the name but he said that the i really admi- admired his um his uh, formula he said now we all understand what the famous red army or soviet army looks like without ukrainians and when it fights against ukrainians so without because ukrainians were a very important uh, part of Soviet army and of this image of this very strong army. And this story about tanks is also a story about corruption in in Russian army because they were present. I'm almost sure, and many commenters say the same thing that um, they were presenting uh, to Putin all these uh, high tech weapons and all the kind of things, but because of corruption, in reality, uh, they don't have all that, and they are sending just poor tanks and uh, old tanks to to fight in in real fight um this is uh about this is also about reality and and this is important because what is happening now is also about this uh, uh the thing that putin has started to lose any link to 
reality. What Angela Merkel told many years ago, back in 2014, when he started annexing Crimea, he, he, he made such a sentence. But now this is clear that he lives in a kind of parallel world. And But he, he tries to create this, what he does now, he's creating this nightmare for everybody, not only for Ukrainians, not only for 42 million people living in Ukraine, but starting from today, when he's, um, he's threatening all the West with nuclear uh, weapons, it's also about, about Europe, it's also about United States, it's about the planet, you know. So this is, it looks like he's trying to make us live in, in his imagination. And it's not only his imagination, unfortunately, because all this machine propaganda machine, Russian propaganda machine, it created this surreal words in the hands of Russians, because according to polls, uh, 50% of Russians support uh, Russian military operation against Ukraine. So they support bombing of, of Ukrainian cities. You know, at one point they're saying that Ukrainians are brothers and the same nation, the same people, just led by some uh, very small bunch of Nazis. And at other point they're ready to bomb to Ukrainian kill us, city, yeah. cities. Uh, and I including the Russian-speaking cities like like Kharkiv, like Odessa, like Kherson. I think it's also about ignorance and indifference, you know. There are a lot of Russians saying, okay, what's happening in Ukraine? We've seen on television there is bombing. And the response is, but who is bombing Ukrainians? Ah, I don't just don't know. I, I just know some, something's happening, something you know. Something happened. This is not uh, our army. This is not our soldiers. Yeah, I've seen a remark. Well, I, I have no judgment about that. I, I'm not competent in politics. But sorry, you don't have to be competent in politics to have a judgment about bombing residential uh, districts. You just have to be competent in being human. You know? And what is, also <coughs> what is also remarkable during this conflict is that this, um, this position of many liberal Russians saying that we can do nothing in any case, you know. He's, uh, they condemn, they condemn what Put Putin does, but they uh, say that in any case we are, uh, um, we are unable to change. It's a kind of fatalism, you know. We cannot change. It's, it, the story has gone too far. We cannot change anything. So they don't rely on their own personal action. And I think here is a huge difference with uh, what Ukrainians feel and what Ukrainians do. Here, in even in our small village, you know, we see people who are making barricades and all kind of checkpoints. Normal people, like, like ordinary people, they are making cocktail molotov just to to meet uh, Russian tanks. And this is happening in, in many, many Ukrainian villages. They don't wait for orders, I don't know, from President Zelensky or from somebody else. So people are organized and they do feel that from their personal action, uh, with their personal action, they can change things. And Russians, I don't know, it's a kind of psychological effect maybe of these many years of, of Putin being in power, but they feel incapable uh, to do that because they think that any action is useless. We are not able to convince these people spoiled by, spoiled by propaganda, they say, and those who are not spoiled by propaganda, they do understand that they, this war is is not uh, so is a criminal one, but they are not doing anything about it. What 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 is surprising for me? They are they're just not acting. They are just talking about that. 
they just unable to act. Yeah, that's right. Maybe uh, sometimes it change. It will change. Yes, we hope okay. it will change. Of course, because we really, we really want Russia to be a free and democratic society, and we are sure that one day it will be so, and Ukrainians will be the factor, the force that will change Eastern Europe forever. Uh, let's talk about Belarus maybe for, for a while. Today there were a lot of rumors and information about uh, about a Belarusian uh, sabotage group, or I don't know exactly which kind of group, coming uh, by helicopters to Ukraine. But as far as we know at the present moment when we are talking, there is no, there is no Belarusians on this territory. So it was a kind of, uh, we are on the edge when Lukashenko says that he is Uh, attacking uh, Ukraine together with Russia. And this is dramatic because we do know that Lukashenko, there's a huge difference between Lukashenko and Putin inside their respective countries because Putin is controlling Russia. Yeah, And Lukashenko is also controlling, but we do know that he, he's a fake president because one year ago he was not elected in during this ele- uh, presidential election. There were huge protests for, for, for many weeks. They were unable to change and he used all this police repression just to... And he succeeded in this police repression. But uh, we are almost sure that a lot of Belarusians coming here will maybe be glad to stay here and they will not fight. We ne- you never know. My intuition is that maybe they will not fight because they have no motivation for them. They may be kind of to escape Russia and to move to Ukraine. Do, yeah, what but, do you uh, think about I that? have an impression that even Russians who come in here, well, at least those Russians which are... They easily surrender. Which, right? which, which are caught by Ukrainian army are not really willing to to fight. So... The key is now, it's not the land, because on the land, Ukrainians are, you know, destroying Russian tanks, Russian armored vehicles. The key is the skies, what, what, what's happening in the air. And here, Ukraine needs very, very big support from, from other countries, because we really, we cannot control the air, because Russians are bombing us from the air with their missiles, and we can, cannot just... Uh, destroy these missiles. And here we need huge uh, help from, from the West. And this we- this help is, is coming <coughs> because it was strange, but uh, yesterday Germany announced that it will bring uh, uh, arms to Ukraine, uh, to Ukraine air <laughs> defense primarily, the Stinger, for example, or <coughs> the air, um, air defense rockets. Today it was incredible event, unprecedented event when EU in the th- in the first uh, well it imposed very harsh sanctions it just banned RT and Sputnik on EU territory the Russian media propaganda outlets something that Ukrainians were telling the EU to do uh, so long time ago and remember when Ukrainians were banning Russian information uh, outlets sometimes Europeans were saying that look don't don't do that because it's against freedom of speech and we were telling no it's not freedom of speech it's freedom of lies yeah, freedom propaganda, of, of yeah. hate uh well Europeans don't didn't believe for some time now they believe it and and banned RT and Sputnik and this is very good uh Russian airlines are banned from entering EU airspace and what is very important is that um EU will fund 
purchases of uh, arms by Ukraine. Yeah, this is something we could not imagine even yesterday. And unfortunately, unfortunately, when we are commenting the events today to our foreign partners, to foreign media, I am always impressed to say that, look, starting from 2014, we Ukrainians were saying that Putin is evil. We were saying that Putin wants much more than just Crimea or just Donbass, that he is really dangerous. We were talking about that Nord Stream 2 was not an economic project, but, but a geopolitical military object, geopolitical op, uh, project. We are talking about this uh, this uh, danger of Putin imperialism, about his attack against, not only against Ukraine, but also against European civilization, as it is about against European values and all that thing. And nobody, no, almost nobody, let us say so, uh, believed us at that moment. Many Europeans were skeptical about this. this they were thinking that we were exaggerating, so, so that we are, we were exaggerating things. But now, and uh, let me repeat, unfortunately, unfortunately, we are right. Yes, but we also uh, are sure and confident that Ukraine will be victorious. Yeah. And... Um, all these tyrannical authoritarian leaders, they, which are ruling their countries by fear, only by fear. Lukashenko is ruling only, only by fear. Well, Putin is ruling by his, uh, his big surreal world that he constructed in Russia. But one day it will collapse too. And Ukraine serves as, as an example of a free world of values of free world, which are bringing this freedom to uh, to uh, Eastern Europe, but also giving some kind of a sense of life to the to Europe itself. It seems that Europe itself is now consolidating, right? And uh, you know, uh, we've we've heard the memes that, for example. Um, uh, like NATO is writing to Ukraine and saying, "But well, look, let's. I I want to learn from you something. Not you is learning from me, but I learn from you." Okay, we will finish this podcast and, and uh, let me let me remind that we want to do it very regularly, hopefully daily. But it, it depends, of course, on the situation on the ground. This is a podcast explaining Ukraine by Ukraine world, but we do it uh, together by Internews Ukraine and Ukraine Crisis Media Center to uh, reputable uh, and big Ukrainian media NGOs. <coughs> my name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm chief editor of Ukraine World and uh, my interlocutor is Tetyana Ogarkova, who is in charge of international outreach of, of Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Uh, you can support us at uh, patreon.com slash ukraineworld. And support Ukraine and stand with Ukraine. There are lots of lots of things you can support. You can support Ukrainian army. We hope to also to provide more information about the ways how you can support Ukrainian army, because this is a universal fight for human dignity and for human freedoms. 